0: Zoom like does your makeup for you.
1: Yeah. In Squadcast, when I record or in anything that I record, I don't do video. I turn the video off because I find that it takes extra cycles to process and see someone else looking at you.
0: Does it take extra cycles to look at someone when you're in a conversation with them?
1: It does for many people, I think.
0: I don't mean Zoom. I mean normal conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you'll talk to a lot of people who like, as they're trying to think, they look away from you because locking eyes is is inherently distracting in a way. I mean, there's obviously connection too, but who was it? It was someone that I was, it was a podcaster and they said, yeah, once I started cutting video, I was like so much more relaxed with it. You know, I think I'm in Zoom enough that's not recorded in a day that it's like, I don't also want to be on Zoom when I'm trying to do my fun stuff, which is podcasts.
0: Woohoo. I find the Zoom connection really helpful in terms of pacing and timing. Like you just pick up on things in someone's face, like when they're, when they want to say something, when they're ready to talk, when they are coming to the conclusion of their thought, like I, I find the rhythm of that really helpful in a podcast. I can see that. And I don't necessarily, you have fewer awkward moments when you can see someone as opposed to being on the phone or without video.
1: For sure. That's why it's amazing this Squadcast has video.
0: <laughs> Remember in the old days when we would record podcasts on the phone? Like people would call in to Skype. This is like OG back early when I did my Parenting Reimagined podcast.
1: Right. You'd call them from Skype. You'd put their number yeah. in and you'd load like $10 of credit on to Skype and call them. I mean, I was listening back to a podcast from it was 2014 or something as a hobby podcast right? like a gaming podcast and they were using Skype and you can just hear it compress and then buffer and then go out and not compress, and it'd be higher quality and then it'd be lower. And I remember, I mean, we did, you know, Mike and I on Startups the Rest of Us did Skype until 2016, 2017, years of it. And it was savage. You go back and listen to those episodes and they're rough. They don't sound good. Even when we had great bandwidth, it often would sound crappy.
0: I have one entrepreneur that I consult with a couple times a month. We've been meeting together for a number of years and we started meeting on Skype and we still meet on Skype. It's, oh, wow. So I use Skype like twice a month just to not disrupt the pattern. But now that I'm used to Zoom makeup and I don't like do my makeup every day because Zoom does it for me, I think I might have to
1: switch. That's so funny. And when we did MicroConf Remote last week, we had a video engineer who has like a hardware rack in his apartment that takes in all these video feeds and then he was mixing it on the fly. I mean it's almost like he has equipment you would see at like a cable access news channel, like a live news channel. And he said the the best software to get a raw feed of raw video is Skype. And so all of us were on Skype and we skyped into his thing and he put it on the feed and it was like opening a uh, chest and like, like spiders crawling out. Yeah, there were there were spider webs in it. I opened it Open Skype and it's like, you need to update. This doesn't run anymore. It's like, nope, nope. And then I was like, geez, do I even have the login for this? And and the UI is all different than it used to be. So it was time capsules. A good way to think about it.
0: Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means. Sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. So time capsules aside, you haven't been on the podcast in like, I don't know how long. We are still married. So that's good.
1: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Even through COVID.
0: Not everyone is.
1: I know. Yeah. It's been too long because I enjoy our catch-up episodes of this show.
0: Yeah. I think it's because you see me so much now, like 24 hours a day.
1: I wouldn't have it any other way though.
0: Oh, that's so nice of you. I can see from your face that you're looking away, like really trying to think about what to say. But in any event, for the purpose of this conversation and the audience on the other side, what have you been working on? How are you doing?
1: Doing good overall. I mean, I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic that we're coming out of COVID. You know, you, you got your first shot yesterday, first vaccine.
0: I did. I hadn't realized how... Anxious I was about it until I got the email saying that I could register to make an appointment. And I like cried and I did it right away. Like it was a big deal to me to have the ability to get the vaccination. So. Yeah. I went to the Mall of America, (laughs) did my civic duty. It was crazy. There were, there were hundreds of people lined up just standing on their, you know, their circle stickers that say stand six feet apart. And it was a machine run by an army of nurses. And I think a lot of like nurses came out of retirement to help with the effort. So it was quite a thing to behold, but yeah, I got my first shot. I got a little bit of a sore shoulder, but other than that, rocking and rolling.
1: And all three of our parents have gotten shots, the double doses, you know, the the full two doses. It just, and I just, I know a lot of people who've been vaccinated, right? And I, I know you do too. And that makes me feel like there is light at the end of this tunnel. And so when you ask how I'm doing better than I was this time last year, you know, like I, I'm optimistic about that. And I mean, for me, the three things I focus on for work are microconf, tiny seed, and startups for the rest of us, right? Those are the big engines. Startups for the rest of us. I'll start there because it's, it's relatively short. But I'm almost two years in now to do, you know, doing it on my own since Mike, you know, decided to focus on on his business. And I'm having a blast with it. I actually hit a low point sometime last year where I was starting to burn out on it a little bit, and then I changed up the format, and I've just kind of. I'm re-energized about it. There's a lot of engagement and I hired an assistant producer. You and I've talked about that, Aaron, who just does it. He does more legwork for me. The show notes are better. He sends an email every week. It makes me feel like there's more going on and there's more engagement on Twitter about it, if that's a measure of anything.
0: Well, it seems like you have a lot more help to do things creatively and in even some sort of marketing advertising that you weren't able to really do before. So now that you have more of a team behind you, it sounds like it's really re-energized that for you.
1: Yeah, that's pretty accurate, right? And I can make decisions and just try things out. Some of which work, I just do a lot more experiments. And I think that's beneficial, you know, to keeping it fresh. Episode 544 goes live next Tuesday. I've had a few people tell me, like, pull me aside or email me and say, like, it's, it's as good as it's ever been. And I'm kind of as excited as I've ever been about it. It's a lot of fun.
0: It's the upside of experience, right? Yep. If you don't get bored and tired, You actually develop a lot of skills in history and just time in the trenches. The experience of having done it for 544 episodes is that you make fewer mistakes. It's better. And so long as you have some energy around it, you can rock and roll. Yeah, it's been good.
1: And then with MicroConf, obviously last year was decimated because of COVID. And we had planned seven in-person events and we ran zero, which was, you know, It was a big deal. I think we probably talked about that last time I was on the show. But this year, I mean, as COVID again, you know, assuming fingers crossed that things start to ease up in terms of restrictions and people getting vaccinated. We have five events on the books in the fall 3 in the US and 2 in Europe. So uh, I'm excited. I just am excited to see people again, you know, like in person. I miss it a lot and not not just because I run the events. I just want to go see You just want to go see my 10. people. Yeah, these <laughs> yeah. are like our people, you know, who we hang out with and there's both individuals that I want to see and then just being amongst the energy of a group like that of ambitious, like smart, focused startup founders is so energizing for me. I'm excited to be able to get back to it.
0: Yeah, hopefully soon. We kind of had a little taste of that experience in California this winter where a lot of our uh, friends in California are vaccinated. So we, we got to visit with friends in a way that we haven't in a year. And I think both of us were like, oh yeah, we like this. We like having dinner with people and, and just being around people that inspire us and challenge us to be, be better folks.
1: Yep. And then the other, I'd say, benefit or the upside of the pandemic in terms of microconf, you know, if you can look at silver lining is probably a better way to say it, is we had already planned, producer Xander and I had planned to double down on the MicroConf's online presence, because it was really an in-person event and anything online was just kind of tacked on, right? And about 18 months ago, pre-pandemic, pre-ending this, we said, we're going to really dive into our YouTube presence. We're going to start an online Slack community. Basically, it's called MicroConf Connect. We're going to have some virtual events. Again, this was before (laughs) COVID. So, I mean, we planned to do that last year. And We've done it and it's gone really well and it's probably been spurred on by by the pandemic and people being at home. But MicroConf Remote 2.0 was last week and it was just on all, by all measures in terms of, of revenue and you know paying the bills and number of tickets sold, number of people engaged, feedback from those people is just producers, Andrew and I, I mean, kind of knocked it out of the park on this one. And it's the best, certainly the best virtual event we've run. And so I'm excited about that moving forward. Like we plan to do, I think, two per year even once we're all back together, because it is, it really serves a different audience. You know, the ticket price is so much less than an in-person event. You don't have to travel. There's still room for that in the future. And I, I'm glad that we figured that out because it was hard. I mean, you remember like the first live stream we did where I was on camera, I was stressed about it. We didn't really know what we were doing, you know, and it, it was fine. We pulled it off, but it was a ton of preparation for 30 minutes of live stream. And now we can do 30 minutes of live stream with like five minutes of prep. So it's that expertise you were talking about earlier.
0: All of these skills that you maybe didn't choose to learn at this pace and this time, but now that you've had the the invitation, let's say to get good at something, you've you've done it.
1: Yep. I mean, the only other things are tiny seed, which has been the real shining star because you know it was already a remote accelerator, and we had raised our first fund. We invested it fully, you know, into 23 companies and they're doing quite well. So that feels great. And then we went to start raising fund two in March of last year and then lockdown. And so we basically put the brakes on it for two months and we revisited in May and we like exceeded where I thought we would get, to be honest. I mean, I think the fund, the fund is not quite closed yet, but, uh, so someone still wanted to invest in early stage B2B SaaS. (laughs) It's still still, possible. But it's really like, we're probably going to close it in the next couple of weeks.
0: And you're sitting pretty at like, what, 25 million or something.
1: It's north of that. It's like more than 26. I think we're, I don't want to, yeah, I think we're approaching 27, like pretty close. I
0: just know what I read in the paper. So.
1: Yeah, we got written up on Axios. (laughs) It felt great, you know, and it was culmination of, of not just a year of hard work, but it was a culmination of, for me, a career, 15 years and the podcast and microconf. And and for Anar, it's, you know, a career of learning how to, how to do this stuff. So it's felt good. I mean, that's been, the microconf was, it was tough last year on that front and Tiny Seed was the opposite. Tiny Seed is going really well.
0: And it's it's such a tricky thing because I know we've talked a lot and you talk a lot with founders about the value of focusing, right? Of picking the thing that you're going to do and really going all in on that. And I have always struggled with that because I like to have a couple different things going on. But I think in this in this situation where you do have these three different aspects of your business, when one of them was really suffering, right? In-person events weren't happening. You had the other two that you could give time and energy to, and and that those two were able to thrive despite one thing being eliminated. So are you rethinking your strategy for focus at all,
1: or are you? I'm not, because if you think about it, I am now. I'm more focused now than I have been my entire career. You think back when I had all these different software products from Beach towels to bonsai books to what was the one that duck, duck, boat, the duck boat. The manual, you know, all this is just random stuff and all these businesses and all these things were going all over the place. Then there was hit tail and drip, but then I had the podcast and microconf on the side. So that was a complete lack of focus for me. You know, if you think about the podcast and microconf and tiny seed, they're all focused on the same thing and it's helping SaaS founders. So I actually feel my mindset. I think focus is a lot about mindset. Obviously, there's some about time. It's a lot about mindset of how can you context switch. I don't really have to context switch anymore. You know, you switch back to drip and it's like, what features do we build? Support requests, getting flamed on Twitter. Like there's all these things that would happen, spammers, blacklists, blah, blah, blah. That is very different than I'm going to come and I'm going to talk to founders and help them or I'm going to interview somebody and put out content versus what I do on the podcast is just a one to many version of what I'm doing in tiny Seed where it's one-to-one or one-to-very-small group, which is totally overlaps with microconf, with the live streams, with Connect, the online community. It all really is the same ecosystem. And so I feel less scattered and less split than I have perhaps in my entire career.
0: That is fantastic.
1: Add to that, working on a book.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's cute.
1: My my fourth. (laughs) (laughs) Copycat.
0: Oh man. Yeah. You're well,
1: I can't let you have more books out than I, than I have. Right. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. I must stay ahead always. Yeah.
1: It's not a competition. Of course.
0: (laughs) That is the sound of a big belly
1: laugh. Yeah, man.
0: It's not a competition because you're winning. No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, why I'm loving and hating working on this book.
0: So let's talk about oh your gosh. book. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is a, a, a harder slog in some ways than your past projects, but then you'll get on a roll and I won't see you for three days and you'll be like, I've written 15,000 words. So it it feels a lot of like stops and starts, at least from, from where I sit in the spectator section.
1: If you were to ask about focus, this is the hard thing that is my mental context, although it's for this book is still SaaS founders trying to build a seven figure SaaS company. The mindset of writing is different than the podcast, Michael Gump and Tiny Seed. So this is the one piece where I struggle to sit down and focus for three hours a day or, or however long it is. I, you know, I want to focus in a given day. And unfortunately, it's the lowest priority. If there's one-on-one people that need help, if there's email that needs responding to, I find a reason to do that instead of really carving out the time. So the book is, I mean, the tentative title is The SaaS Playbook, How to Build a Million Dollar Startup Without Venture Capital, And I'm working on the title because I'm a little concerned about the million-dollar startup term, but maybe I'll change it to seven-figure or something. Yeah, I mean, there's 30,000 words, so I'd figure it's halfway done, completely unedited. But yeah, you're right. It's been arduous. (laughs) It feels like I've written two books now and I'm not even halfway done with this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it is interesting to hear you say that it feels separate from your other activities or at least less of a through line because when you talk about it, it sounds all connected. Do you think the difference is that some of the book is written, at least part of the book is geared towards early stage folks, and you're dealing more with people who have some, you know, they have product market fit, they've got
1: some income, they've got some traction. That's part of it, definitely, is I have to think back a little more to when I was there, and even I'm asking a lot of the tiny seed and some micro founders like, what have you done lately? You know, what did you do a year ago to get past this point? I think also, I know that a book is relatively static and that I want it to be kind of definitive. There's some weight to it, like saying words on a podcast or giving advice or advising founders. I know that at this moment, this is how I think about it. There are my thoughts. When I think about writing a book, there's more gravity because Start Small, Stay Small is a decade old now no, it's 11 years. And people still quote it back to me. And I'm like, oh, do I even agree with that anymore? Like, is that even right? And so I'm not necessarily thinking, oh, this has to be correct for 20 years. But I definitely feel the weight of I want this to be accurate, you know, and I want it to represent what the reality and I want it to be the best advice or the best blueprint or, you know, whatever.
0: For now and eternity. Well, at least for a while.
1: Yeah. So I don't just want to pop off with comments and opinions. I kind of want it to be more more thought out than that. Yeah.
0: And you are anticipating that this is something that will hopefully have relevance for 10, 15 years, which yeah. is a long time in the life of technology.
1: That's right. So, trying to avoid the trying to make it evergreen, right? Trying to avoid things that will go stale. Like all the hyperlinks that I have in Star Spell Stay Small. I mean, they're like half of them are just Aww. dead. It's so sad. Yeah. It's so sad. So, I mean, that's like in a nutshell, that's what I've been up to for the past. While, how about you negotiating book deal?
0: Well, not to make it a competition, but <laughs> Yeah, so I have been working on a book that I've talked about here on the podcast for I guess the last almost 2 years and I finally got a book deal, which frankly was harder than getting a PhD some days. And it's one of those things that happens very circuitously, like, you know, someone who knows someone who interests you to someone because they have a particular connection with your work. And I guess it's different in the in the technical fields, but for a popular audience, um, more of a not popular psychology, because God, I hate that term, but a, a psychologically informed book that is written for a general audience. It's certainly hard to get enough attention toward your book to get a deal. But I um, was able to make, you know, have a contract with a, a publisher called Sound True, which is really a very lovely outlet for the book. I'm super excited to be working with that publisher. So I met with the editor last week and I, my draft is due June 1st. So I'm rocking and rolling on making some changes and adding some more take home and actionable items to the manuscript. And then it'll still be another year before it it comes out into the world. But it's interesting to go through this process as opposed to doing the self-publication process that we did the last time.
1: Yeah. And you, you worked your ass off on this. Like I'm super proud of you and all the time, not only put it on the book and how good it is, obviously I've read it. It's phenomenal. But then just making the decisions of like, Hey, maybe I'm going to self-publish, but I'm going to give, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring in terms of trying to get a deal, trying to get a book deal. And you're right. Didn't you cold email like 30 different agents? And oh, yeah. and it's just like, Hey, I have a platform. Like I have a podcast. I have people who follow me. I have email lists and it's nobody gives you the time of day. And that's a little frustrating, isn't it? That like you want it to be the merit of the work, but it maybe isn't.
0: Yeah. I really, I, I definitely felt pretty cynical around who gets access to how conversations happen in, in literary circles, because it's basically, I feel like people who can self-publish or sort of buy their way in, or it's people who have a huge following. And the fact that I have all of the academic training and that I can say really objectively, this book is really good. It's beautiful. It's an innovative, different way to think about a pretty universal human experience, which is grief and death. And I, I was really sad (laughs) that it took so much effort, not just for me, but just in terms of like access to the conversation in the literary world. But I had a unique experience in the sense that the editor who read the book really liked it. And she really wanted to publish it and kept advocating for it. Even though my platform isn't as big as a normally would go for. So I did a couple of rounds of like revisions, which is unusual in the publishing world. Usually it's sort of a yes or no situation.
1: Yeah. And I agree with you. I want ideas to succeed on their merit. I mean, you and I are outsiders, like like in startup world, like I knew zero startup founders, zero entrepreneurs and had to just go off and do my own thing. And there was no, oh, my uncle knows a venture capitalist. There was no friends and family. And similar to you, you grew up with no connections in what you wanted to do, right? And you've carved your own way. And I think that's possible in fields. It's, you know, in some fields and not in others. And I, I really do think that trying to get a book published today by a major publisher, based on your experience, I don't know that you could do it as an unknown. I think you have to know somebody and or... You
0: have to have a big platform. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah tough.
0: But in any event, I'm really happy with the process so far. I mean, I'm hopeful that it will be a good experience and, and the advance isn't nothing. I mean, I think the advance that they offered me is, you know, roughly equivalent to our take home and the entrepreneur's guide to keeping our Shit together. So it's, it's certainly helps to offset some of that time and energy that goes into bringing the book to be. And I'm excited to work with a set of experts who I think will help make the book really beautiful and put it together in a way that's cool.
1: Yeah, because last time you have to find a designer, then you have to buy your ISBNs, then you have to write, I mean, everything, every step that you don't even think about. I need to pick a font, have someone lay it out like crazy, right? And the hard work is maybe done for you at this point. I know you have to revise and do some stuff, but like the book is effectively done to the point where we always think it's done. And then there's another 50% of the work left, which is everything I started naming. And now they're supposed to do that for you.
0: And I'm a huge fan of the self-publication process. Like I was not going to be disappointed to do it myself again, but given that we are in a different phase of life than we were for the past books and my time is much more limited and much more valuable to me, like I'm really glad to have other people who can really support the process.
1: Yeah. I hear that. I am self-publishing, you know, my book, but I think that the variety of experience that you're getting, basically self-published the first one, publisher for the second one, I think is awesome. You know, and I think both you and I will learn a ton from the process. And then when you write your, your third book, you get to decide which, which do I want to do.
0: Although part of the contract is they get to at least evaluate the proposal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair.
0: It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that seems like a good place to leave it in that we both have uh, lots of ambitious projects that we're working on and still married. So that's good. Yeah. Good good job making it S- through corner. Silver lining.
1: <laughs> you always, there you go, Walling. Always looking at the silver lining.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks.
1: Awesome. Yeah, good talking to you.
0: Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.